everyone, this is Josh from Solopreneur Grind, and I am here with Joseph Wells from josephcwells.com. Joe, thanks so much for taking the time to chat today. Hey, Josh. Thanks for having me, man. I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. So, so Joe, your, your blog, josephcwells.com, we'll definitely have links to that in the description. I'd love to hear about how you got started with that, because you're a guy who kind of like me, similar age, similar point in life, and content that I can really relate to and, and really enjoy. So I'd love to hear, for, and you know, we'll talk about a lot more and, and how you got there, but would love to know a little bit more about the blog and how it started. Sure, of course. So I would say probably, I don't know, a little more than a year ago, I decided I wanted to start writing because I consume a lot of information and it really felt scattered, right? So I wanted mm-hmm. to start writing some articles to number one, clarify my thinking and number two, kind of share some of the things that I've learned with other people. So what I did was just started writing articles and the original idea was to kind of start a website like Seth Godin has where I just share my thoughts on things, right? Because that's that's what I like to write about. Um, But the more I thought about it, the more I realized it's going to be really hard to grow a site like that for somebody who has no following, right? Because there's no there's no SEO that goes along with my personal thoughts, right? Nobody's going to be searching for the, just the random things that come out of my head. So I tried to make it a little, a little more um, specific. So I just started writing articles. And when I got to the point where I had saved, I don't know, maybe 10 articles, I said, okay, let's, let's try to get this online here. Um, so I bought a domain name. I signed up for Bluehost. So I had a host. Um, I, started with WordPress and I I put something online and I kind of just held myself accountable to post once a week. Um, I didn't really have a length requirement or anything like that. I just wanted to get in the habit of putting things out there, um, working on building an email list and um, improve my writing really. So those were kind of the the three things that I wanted to do. And I started with that. And about a year later, I've posted every single week. So I've met my goal there. I'm slowly building my email list, you know, a little a little slower than I had hoped, but it's it's a process, and I think it compounds at a certain point, right? Like I'm I'm sure yeah. you see the same thing. Definitely, and and what what have you learned in in the last twelve months? I mean, and, and I guess were there any things that have happened since that you didn't expect that has come from just taking the plunge and, and starting the blog? Yeah, so I've I've learned a lot of things. Um, I've learned how to be a better writer. I think, you know, I'm, I'm far from a fantastic writer, but if, if I go back and look at what I wrote a year ago as compared to what I wrote, what I've written you know, in the last few weeks, I, I think it's improved a lot. And I think that's just a matter of the more you do it, the better you get, right? And the, mm-hmm. the clearer your thinking becomes. And um, you, so you kind of see the types of articles that, that people enjoy, the stuff that gets a little bit more traction. And I had an interesting conversation with my girlfriend one day. I was telling her, you know, the articles that I was really proud of and that I thought were really good. And then the ones that I thought were eh, just not that great. And what was interesting was she kind of felt the opposite way. And so we had a long conversation about this. Mm. And what we figured out was, the ones that I wasn't as proud of were the ones where I was more telling a story and kind of had a point in there too, right? But maybe it was something I pulled from a book. Maybe it was something that I observed in my own life. And I kind of told that story and then I brought it home to a point. And she really liked those because uh, they were just, I guess, more fun to read. 
the ones that I was more proud of were the ones where I lay out a process and explain something to somebody like how to save money on your college education or how to set up um, a system for saving and investing or mm -hmm. just, um, you know, any type of process like that. So what I've done in the last few months is try to kind of combine the two a little bit more, try to include stories in as much of my writing as, as possible. Um, right. And I, so I think that that's helped me improve. You know, I'm still not where I want to be, but I, I think I'm getting better. Um, so to your other question, have, has anything, you know, happened that was unexpected? Yeah, big time in a big way, I think. Um, so probably two months after I started writing, a man by the name of Brad D'Antonio reached out to me on Twitter and, uh, he's a mutual friend of ours. Mm -hmm. And he just said, you know, really like your writing. Would you like to be on my podcast? And when this happened, it kind of hit me out of nowhere because one of the goals I set for this year was to be on a podcast. That was part of the, the list of things I wanted to do to grow my following. And when he reached out to me in February and asked me to be on his podcast, I was like, whoa, this is so cool. Like I never, I thought I was going to have to work harder than this uh, <laughs> to, to check that box. Right. But mm -hmm. what I found and, and what uh, we can kind of circle around to David Perel, but what David Perel talks about, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he does a lot of writing online. What he talks about is maximizing serendipity. And what he stresses mm -hmm. is when you start to write online, um, ser serendipitous things happen to you because people who are interested in what you're writing out, writing about find your writing and then they start to make connections. So, you know, case in point here, Brad found my writing because I followed him on Twitter after I heard him on a podcast and I, I liked some of his stuff and he liked my writing. He asked me to come on his show and um, you know, then some people started following me that, that followed him and immediately, almost immediately after setting a goal to be on a podcast, I, I checked that off just by writing online. So I think right. I, I've seen a lot of serendipity this year um, you know, and, and second case in point, here I am talking to you, another guest of Brad's podcast. You know, I think I reached out to you after hearing your episode with him because I really liked it. And you know, now we're building a friendship and I'm on your show as well. So, yeah, I, I would take that statement you made a little bit earlier in your answer of, of the writing creating serendipitous events, let's call them. And I would apply that to almost anything in life. I've, I've certainly learned that in business, especially, uh, the more action you take, the more good things just or lucky things you could call them tend to happen, right? And a lot of them seem lucky, but the reality is the Brad thing wouldn't, have, the Brad thing, which you could say, you know, a little bit of like out of the blue, but like that never would have happened, period, if you didn't start your blog, right? And, exactly. and same with me. If, if I never started, I actually started with the podcast. And probably the, the biggest surprise that came uh, for me for the first year, very similar to you, is I started meeting these really awesome people. And I was like, wow, there's a lot of other really cool solopreneurs with, with good stories. And even if I had an episode scheduled one day, maybe I was tired, maybe I wasn't in a great mood, maybe like the person's bio wasn't that exciting. They all led to like really interesting conversations and, and interviews. So I, I just wanted to highlight the importance of just taking action because you never know what could come of it. And usually 
uh, good things will come out of it. If, if you work hard, you work smart and, and, you know, you have good values, you're not hurting anyone or, or anything like that. Um, but Joe, I, I want to go back a little bit further and, and paint more of a picture for the listeners and more for me, because you and I have been talking on and off for quite a while now, but I don't know your full story of how you got to where you are. I'd love to hear about, you know, what you did for your education and, and how you kind of started your professional career to have led to where you are now. Sure. Yeah. So when I was in high school, I had my mind set that I was going to be a police officer. There was nothing I wanted to do more than be a cop. Mm -hmm. um, I really didn't even want to go to college, but you can't uh, graduate from the police academy until you're 21. So I had to kill at least two years. And my parents really wanted me to go to college. Um, so my mom did a lot of research and she found a school, uh, Utica College, and they had a degree program called Economic Crime Investigation. So this was a criminal justice degree, but it expanded into a couple other areas like fraud prevention and detection and anti-money laundering and compliance and um, more, more white collar crime. So you know, it qualifies you to be a police officer, but you also have a four-year degree in something that is a bit more marketable just than criminal justice. So mm -hmm. as things you know, tend to happen, what you plan when you're 17 or 18 years old it doesn't, doesn't tend to pan out. Um, mm -hmm. Didn't end up going into law enforcement, but I got an internship my last semester of college with a, a company in New York City. And after that internship, they hired me full time. And so it's a consulting company. And I was doing anti-money laundering investigations. Most of our clients were banks. So mm -hmm. as uh, I graduated a, a year early from college, so I was 21 years old and I was living in New York City, flying all over the country to these different banks, conducting anti-money laundering investigations with people who were years older than me. Um, I was by far the youngest person on the team. So I got to see places from you know, Louisiana to Boston to DC. Um, I, I was all over the country and it was super cool. Um, what, but I what, kinda, was it, what was it that made you uh, give up the idea of becoming a cop? Well, it was, it was a lot of timing, I think. So to become a police officer, there's quite an extended process. You take a written test and then you wait to get your results. And then if you scored high enough, they bring you in for initial questioning and then they'll do a full background investigation. And, and actually before that, there's a, a physical test after the written test. So it's a long process. And I'd gone through parts of those processes those processes for a couple different agencies and it just never quite got to the end. Um, and then I got a call back from the state police probably about a year into my, my career in investigations. And I just decided, look, I, I just don't really want to do this right now. It's going to be a little bit of a step back in terms of salary. It's going to be a major inconvenience in terms of the, the background investigation. You had to take like a week off from work to go back to you know, where you're originally from to meet with the investigating officer. And it was just something I didn't want to go through. Um, mm -hmm. can, can I ask you, Joe, why is it that you really wanted to be a cop? And the reason why I'm asking is because knowing you now, obviously not super well, but I, you know, I've, I've read a lot of your content and, and we've talked enough to think that you're, you know, you're very much a thinker 
and a, an intellectual, let's call it. Not to say that intellectuals do not belong as police officers at all, but when you first said that you had always wanted to be a cop, that was a bit of a surprise to me, knowing the type of guy you are right now. I'm, I'm curious to think, uh, you know, do you have any thoughts on that? Or, or maybe that's part of the reason why you didn't end up becoming one? Yeah, I think, I think the major reason was um, my neighbor growing up was a police officer. And when I was, I don't know, 15, 16, I would go on ride-alongs with him and he would work the 11 to three or the three to 11 shift most of the time. So I'd go over around dinner time and ride around with him in his car for a few hours. And it just seemed really cool. You know, it seemed like a fun job and mm -hmm. I liked the idea of helping people. Um, I like a good physical challenge, which um, kind of seemed like that was part of the job. Right. So th I think those were the big things that drew me to law enforcement, but again, right. ultimately didn't, didn't end up there, but I, I still, you know, I still like a good physical challenge. I've done a lot of kind of crazy physical things and uh, I like helping people. And I think that kind of comes across in my writing. So, you know, I'm not in law enforcement, but I think I still am acting upon the things that initially drove me to be interested in law enforcement. Right. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. And, and so you start with this consulting company, you're getting, it sounds like this really awesome experience. Are you still working there or how did your, how did the professional journey progress? Well, I am working there, but not still. So after about a year and a half, I left to go to a bank and I spent a few years at the bank and then I decided to go back to consulting and mm -hmm. actually went back to the same company. So yeah, that's, oh, that's wow. where I am now. And, and so at what point were you at when you started the blog? Were, were you back in the consulting for the second time? And then I'm really interested to hear what it was about that timing that made you start this kind of writing endeavor at that point in your life. I was. I was back in consulting for the second time um, for about a year. And I think the job just wasn't really fulfilling me. Um, I'm very interested in self-improvement, personal development, uh, personal finance, anything that makes you better, basically. And a lot of what I would see in consulting is people who, you know, good people, smart people, but they give everything to the job, you know, so they're working 12-hour days, they're working weekends, they're traveling all the time, not seeing their family. And, you know, while I'm still in consulting, that's not the type of person I am. Those aren't the things that I value. And I just wanted a little bit more balance outside of that, I think. So that's kind of what drove me to, to writing. And, and like I said, you know, I'm consuming all this content and it's bouncing around in my brain and to not get it out onto paper or onto the screen um, makes it a little more painful than keeping it in there, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, definitely. What was it like to finally pull the trigger? And, and the reason I ask is because there's probably a lot of people out there that feel the same way. I know that I felt that exact same way before I started doing this kind of stuff as well. And so part of what you know, I love to discuss on these episodes is these, these struggles and doubts and, and complications that now, you know, more successful solopreneurs had to face as well, right? So that people can realize that they're not alone. It is a difficult process. It, it can be a scary process too. So could you talk about actually pulling the trigger, what that process was, was like and what you were, you know, what was going through your head, what was going through your heart at the time? 
Yeah, I think, honestly, I was probably a little bit scared, um, you know, scared of what people are going to think about my writing. You know, are people going to think I'm just a total goofball? Why, why is he wasting his time doing this? Are people going to think I'm not qualified to be writing about the things that I'm writing about? Um, but mm-hmm. as, as I've written about a couple times before, to be successful and, and to do the things you want to do, you really can't care about what other people think about you. You know, it's important to care about the people who are very close to you, you know, your close friends, your, your, your partner, those types of things. Those are the people who are going to give you the, the feedback that is crucial to development. But, you know, the, the kid you went to eighth grade with, who you're friends with on Facebook, who cares what he thinks of you? You know, who cares what your coworkers think of you? Um, if, if somebody's not supportive of you doing this type of thing, then they probably don't really care about your development in the first place. So I, I think one of the big things was just being nervous about what other people thought of me. Um, but I got over that pretty quickly. Um, another thing was, kind, you know, kind of in the same topic, what are people at work going to think? And I've, I've mm-hmm. tried pretty hard to keep this um, separate from my professional life. So I don't, I don't post any of my writing on LinkedIn. I don't share what I do with most of the people that I work with. And I just think it's better to keep it separate. Um, that being said, if, you know, people I work with came across my writing, I wouldn't be embarrassed about any of it. I'm actually very proud of, of the work that I've done, but I think it's just easier to not have that conversation a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. so also, um, I listened to your episode with, I think it was Sean Ogle and he, yeah, he's a very successful blogger and he's, he had a really good point about breaking it down into little pieces because when you're first getting started, especially if you don't, you don't know web development, you don't know how to start an email list. You don't know any of those things. Um, start by buying a domain name, right? That takes 10 minutes. It's a couple bucks. Usually you go in and buy a domain name. Now you have it. That was one of the first things I did. I remember you know, standing in my girlfriend's house and just pulling up on my phone and said, all right, I want something with my name and I found something and I bought it. And that was the, that was the first step, right? Like I didn't do anything else that day. So I think if you break your big goals down into small chunks, you can knock out those small chunks a little bit at a time. And in doing that, before you know it, you've accomplished that goal that you set out to accomplish six months ago. So I think he had a great point there and anybody who wants to do anything, you know, whether it's start a blog or start a business or, or learn a language or whatever you want to do, break it down into the smallest possible piece that you can do today and then do that thing. And Mm -hmm. as you continue to do those little things, you build momentum, you gain enthusiasm, um, you get better at what you're doing. And, you know, just like compound interest grows your investments, uh, compound progress in, in anything you want to do has that kind of exponential return, I think. Absolutely. Those are, those are great points. And just really quickly, that was episode 48. If anyone's looking for an episode where we talk very specifically about starting a blog, um, I highly recommend. I've actually re-listened to that myself at least once or twice, uh, episode 48 with Sean Ogle. Uh, and, and so, Joe, the other thing I wanted to ask about with regards to starting it is about the name. So, so the website is josephcwells.com. We'll provide a link to that in the description of the podcast, especially because you mentioned keeping it a little bit separate from your, let's call it nine to five, which I totally understand. And, and I was the same way when I started my podcast. Why was it that you decided to use your name and not a brand 
not that either way is obviously, you know, more correct than another. I'm just more curious. I don't think I put a ton of thought into that initially, but I think um, the most accurate answer is that I didn't have a brand. I didn't have an idea for even specifically what I wanted to write about. You know, like I mentioned, I kind of just wanted to write about the things that popped into my head, the things that I observed on the sidewalk and decided I could, you know, tell the story and, and make a connection to something that was important. So I didn't really see a brand that went along with that. And that's, you know, one of the things that I'm still kind of working on. I'm taking David Perel's rite of passage course right now. And one of the things he talks about in that course is creating your personal monopoly where you find the intersection of two or three or four different things that you're good at and that aren't typically found together. Right. So when you combine mm-hmm. those, those unique things, you've got your personal monopoly. Now I think I'm a little closer to finding that than I was a year ago, but I think it's kind of an iterative process. Right. And the more that, the more that Definitely. you write, the more you figure out what you're interested in and what you're good at. And the more feedback you get, the more you understand what other people are looking for and what value you can provide to other people. So that's kind of the long answer as to why I went with my name instead of a brand. No, it, it's a good answer and it makes a lot of sense. I actually have a blog post about talking about the fact that it took me about six or seven months to really nail down my messaging behind Solopreneur Grind. So I even knew I wanted to help solopreneurs, but it still took me another six, seven months of podcasting, doing some blogs, social media, stuff like that to really nail down exactly you know what and, and how I wanted to do it because you know, niching, niching, niching is quite important, especially these days, which is with so much content out there about a wide variety of, of things. And so I think it makes a lot of sense. One of the big benefits of using your name and not a brand is you can take as long as you want to figure out that niche or that topic or those strengths, or even if you do a complete pivot, those people who are following you for you will still be there, right? It, it would be hard for me through Solopreneur Grind to pivot into something unrelated to solopreneurs. So uh, I, I definitely think there's pros and cons to each and you just got to figure out what, what works best for you. Um, how have you found the, let's call it evolution of your blog and, and your writing? Can you relate to like that six, seven month period? It was, it, was it shorter? Was it, are you still kind of trying to find your, your ultimate message? Yeah, I think I'm still in the process. So in kind of going through this class that I was talking about, that uh, the importance of that personal monopoly is emphasized. So I've been thinking about it a little bit more and I have some ideas, but it's it's really not anything that I'm totally confident with yet. Um, I, I'm interested in a lot of things. You know, I'm interested in discipline. I'm interested in personal growth. I'm interested in personal finance and investing and early retirement. So I think there are some common themes in there. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, I think part of the process of writing online is a selfish process, right? Like you're, especially at our age, we're still kind of trying to figure out where we want to go and what we're all about. And, and writing helps with that a lot. So, you know, I'm, I'm about a year in and I haven't quite figured it out yet, but I think I'm probably closer to figuring it out than where I was. And you know what? It might change three or four or five more times. Who knows? Yeah. If, if I were to guess, I would think it would for all of us. Uh, it's, it, it is so important what you mentioned, how we're, especially you and I, right, in, in our 20s, 
we still have so much learning and, and growing to do. I mean, hopefully we're learning for the rest of our lives. But uh, yeah, I mean, Solopreneur Grind is, is less teaching because I don't consider myself a teacher because I'm still relatively new at it and more reporting and iterating on and, and sharing ideas and, and lessons learned, which is why I relate to and really enjoy your blog posts because they're very similar. You're telling these stories, you know, we're, we're not preachers by any means. And so I've, I've really enjoyed the content. What would you say to someone who is thinking about getting started with content creation, whether it be a blog, videos, or anything like that, maybe they're not a great writer, or, or maybe they, they don't even know if a blog is, is a good idea. Do you have any suggestions for someone who has that same feeling you had, so their nine to five is not fulfilling them, but maybe they don't have as clear of an idea of how they want to try and tackle that? Yeah, that's, that's kind of a tough question. I would say just get started. Just do something. Find, figure out what your hobbies are. You know, if you don't have any defined hobbies, I would start there. Um, mm -hmm. And then around those hobbies, you know, what, what can you do that makes you feel fulfilled? And if it's content creation, you know, are you a writer? Do you want to write? If not, do you want to make videos? Do you want to have an Instagram page? You kind of have to figure out what you want to do. But I think you don't need to know 100%. You just need to get started because the process of, of creating and, and working towards figuring out what you want, um, like I said, it, it compounds as you do it more. So um, mm -hmm. I keep referencing back to this class that I'm taking, but um, what they're teaching us is write daily, publish weekly. So consistency and just doing it a lot and you get better. And another thing that they're teaching us is that writing is – should be seen more as an assembly line process than a creative process. And, and so this can apply to more than mm -hmm. writing. And what they mean by that is we're consuming content almost nonstop. The figure that they use in that class is the average person consumes like 11 hours of content a day. That is Jeez. just seems insane to me. It seems a little high, but yeah. you know, even if it's five or six hours, right, you're, you're reading articles, you're reading books, you're watching YouTube videos, you're listening to podcasts. And if you're not, capturing this information in in some way i don't want to say you're wasting your time but you're kind of squandering the potential of all the time you're spending taking in this information so um what i'm working on is an information capture system so anytime i'm i'm consuming content i'm trying to take away some actionable notes from it and i'm, I'm putting it into evernote so then when i sit down to write on the weekend or whenever i have free time I can say, okay, this, this is an idea that I've been thinking about for a while. Let me go into Evernote and see what kind of notes I have on this, you know, and say it's, I don't know, the idea of courage. So I just start typing some things into the search function in Evernote about courage. And I get a, a note from a book that I'm reading right now. And then I see an article that I sent out in my email newsletter three months ago. You know, and then I see something from a YouTube video that I've saved. And all of a sudden I've got these three or four, key points that I can put into an outline and expound upon. And it makes the writing process much easier than sitting in front of a blank screen and kind of just banging your head against the wall. Um, you've right. got a starting point and, and you're doing the work already. So if you capture the information, um, it's really not much more work than what you're doing now. And it makes the creation process infinitely easier. Yeah, that's, that's a great suggestion. I might start, uh, 
might take that and, and start doing a little bit more of it myself. Uh, so Joe, let's talk about some other stuff you're working on right now. Can you tell us a little bit more about your, your, your newest endeavor, let's call it, uh, with Blogcaster and how that came about? Sure. So Blogcaster is an app that I launched a few weeks ago now, and I've been working on it for about six months. So kind of back to the content consumption, right? I read a ton of blogs and I don't always have time to sit down and read the articles. So I remember one day I was standing in the, the cafeteria at work waiting for a sandwich or something like that. And I was reading a Ryan Holiday article and then it was my turn to order and the article went back in my pocket on the phone and I don't think I ever came back to it. And I sat down at my desk and thought, man, I wish I could just pop in my earbuds and listen to that article. So I started poking around online to see if there was anything that would allow me to do that. And there are a couple different solutions where you can do like text to text to speech, but I don't really like that very much. I think it's kind of clunky and the user experience isn't very good. So I said, all right, maybe I could build an app around this. And that, that day in the cafeteria that I was telling you about, that was probably about two years ago. So I've been thinking about this idea for a long time. I've been talking about it nonstop. And then one day I was on a run with my girlfriend and I was telling her about the idea for probably the 40th time. And I was walking her through exactly how I was going to do every step of it, but I hadn't started anything yet. And she just looked at me and said, I'm tired of hearing about this. I think you just need to do it. And that was the catalyst I needed to start. So I, I got started. I went on Upwork and I found an app developer and I came up with a list of blogs that I wanted to put on my service. And I found some people on Upwork who were voiceover professionals and could record this stuff for me. And then I spent six months uh, working with the developer and these people recording and the people who write the blogs to kind of pull it all together. And now what we have is an app that's available both in the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store where you can do just just what I talked about, the idea I had two years ago. You know, I'm sitting in the car, I can listen to a blog, or I'm sitting at my desk and I can't read, but I can listen, so I can pop in my earbuds and, and listen to the blog that I want to listen to. So I'm, I'm really proud of it. It's been a lot of work, um, but it's been very rewarding, and I, you know, I did exactly what I wanted to do. So now I'm just trying to get it out there so other people can benefit from it as well. Right. And yeah, I mean, it is, it is a great idea and is so in tune with kind of the, the, the way you consume content and, and the things that you do in your own life and the way that, you know, you kind of preach with, with regards to content consumption and, and, and everything like that. And it just makes a ton of sense. I, I'd like to, this might seem a little off topic at this point, but what is your thoughts on passion and, and working around your passion, right? Because it's, especially when we, when you're, you mentioned your early answer, which was around uh, what people should do if they don't know how to get started. And, and you're kind of talking about their habits and things like that. How important is sticking to your passion and how important is figuring out something that makes a little bit more business sense? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And I think it was Mike Rowe who has a fantastic quote on this topic. And what he says is never follow your passion, but always bring it with you. 
So mm. what he means by that is, you know, maybe your passion is painting pictures, right? But you need to put food on the table and you're not that good of an artist. So painting pictures isn't really going to get you where you need to be. Um, but maybe you can go work at a museum or work at an art gallery or do something that's kind of similar to that, but it's, it's going to, it's going to feed your family, right? It's going to put some money in the bank. Um, so the advice that you know a lot of young kids get is follow your passion. Well, that's not always realistic. So I think, mm-hmm. I think what you want to do is do something that's close to your passion, something that you can still get excited about. It might not be your favorite thing, but something that, like you said, makes some business sense. You can make a little bit of money at it. And then once you make a little bit of money, then you can take that money and use it to, to actually follow your passion, to do the things that you're super excited about right so i Mm -hmm. I think that advice from micro is is really good and that's kind of some advice that i've tried to follow in everything that i do you know you can't always do exactly what you want but you can probably do something that's pretty close to what you want yeah i'd I'd never heard it put that way and that's a that's a great way of putting it and it makes makes a ton of sense and so do, do you think you're chugging along that path with blogcaster and and how was it like kind of pulling the trigger with that. Uh, what was your experience like with Upwork? I know there's a lot of people on different sides of the fence with using services like Upwork and Fiverr. I, I've used both and I find that if you put in the effort to actually find the right service provider, it can be quite good, but would love to hear your uh, experiences. Sure. So in terms of following the passion, I think I think my passion is writing and exploring ideas and sharing those ideas. So Blogcaster is, you know, sharing other people's blogs in an audio format. And I think, Mm -hmm. I think audio is really exploding right now. So I think there's a good opportunity there for that. You know, it's not the thing that I'm most excited about, but it's something that I think makes business sense and there's a need for, and it's kind of congruent to my passion. Right. So I, that's, Mm -hmm. that's how I kind of approach that. I think Um, regarding Upwork I think it's fantastic. You know, this is one of the best things for entrepreneurs out there. Um, for the, those who don't know how it work works, you can go on to Upwork, type in what you need done. You know, uh, I think it's mostly knowledge work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so anything from I found my app developer on Upwork. I found my people who record the articles on Upwork. You can find a bookkeeper. You can find just about anybody. So you type up a job description, you get people applying to the job, then you can review the applications and and hire who you want to hire. And like you said, the more time you put into reviewing um, the applications, the, the, the better your experience is going to be. So the more effort you put in, the, the better uh, result you're going to get out. And I think that's true with anything, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so just with app development, I don't know the first thing about it, right? Like I had no right. idea, but I read some blog posts, kind of got a decent idea for what you need to do when you're going to an app developer. And I, I spoke to a guy who had done some work on apps that I was connected to through a friend. So he gave me some good background as well. So I felt like I knew enough to at least hire somebody. Right. And I feel like I can read people pretty well. So if I have a conversation with somebody, I can get a decent idea of, does this guy know what he's talking about? Is he, a, is he a decent person? That, that type of thing. So mm-hmm. I interviewed a few people and, and one of the things that I found was the more, 
um, detailed the application, probably the better off you're going to be hiring that person. So I got a lot of people who would just send what was very obviously a generic application that they send to everyone. So those people I just kind of struck off the list. You know, they might be professional, but I want to deal with somebody who's going to give me more of a personalized experience. And I ended up finding a guy who wasn't the most experienced person out there, but what he emphasized in our conversation was that he was most concerned about his five-star rating on Upwork. So his <laughs> reputation was more important than anything else. And what he said was, if I don't deliver exactly what you want, you don't pay me, we break the contract and we go our separate ways because what I want is for you to be happy. So you give me a five-star review. And I worked with this guy for like six months and we still, we have an ongoing relationship and you know, he was super professional, um, really good at what he did. He actually even learned some things that he didn't know just to kind of meet my needs. Um, mm. So I, I think Upwork is fantastic. And you know, kind of along the same lines, you recommended to me up counsel, which is the same thing, but for lawyers, um, mm -hmm. that, that was really good as well. Yeah. I, I think like you mentioned, like most things, the more effort you put in, the, the more you'll get out of it. I actually was thinking about doing like a, a blog post or something on, on how to use Upwork. Cause I think it's, it's never been easier to start any type of business for, for many reasons. One of them being you can find contractors to do anything with a few clicks of the button. So, uh, we, you know, we've never been more empowered in that way as potential business owners than ever before. Uh, Joe, we, I have a few more questions that I, I want to kind of use to do a, a little bit more exploratory and, and, and reflective, let's say, especially in relation to the fact that that's the type of stuff that you love to do. You, you mentioned that through your course, you're trying to find the kind of two, three, four, things that you're really good at and, and kind of put them together and, and to tell your unique story. What do you think those are? And, and keeping in mind that, um, that, you know, another way of asking that I guess could be what is the type of content that you're putting out on your blog, right? I know it, but for, for those listeners, what would you say that combination of, of different topics are that you, that you love? So I think it's mostly based in self-improvement and that's such a broad category, you know, that can cover mm -hmm. anything from, you know, what, what books do you read to how do you get started writing to how do you build a savings account that you feel comfortable with? Right. Um, so self-improvement, I think is the biggest circle. That being said, a lot of people do self-improvement, right? So that doesn't really differentiate me. I think, and like I said, I'm still in the process of figuring this out, but I think right. that um, kind of the things that I can bring together are self-improvement, discipline, which is a subset of self-improvement, and then risk-taking, which you don't usually think of risk-taking and discipline as being similar, but I think that most people are scared to take any risk. And if you have a disciplined approach to risk-taking, I think your returns in anything are going to be outsized and it's going to put you ahead of the curve, right? So a couple examples here. I invest in real estate. Um, I've got a handful of um, rental properties. Whenever you talk to somebody who's not in real estate about real estate, they always say, oh, you don't want to deal with tenants. You don't want to do that. You, know, you could lose all your money. 
sure, I, I guess I guess you could, right? Mm -hmm. But you're buying an asset, right? That asset is never going to go to zero. If you do your homework and figure out, okay, if I have no tenants paying rent, I can still cover the mortgage for this amount of time, right? So I invest with a partner. Um, so that kind of helps with the, the money downside, right? So that's kind of mitigating that risk. Um, I invest in an area that I know well, and I invest on strict uh, monetary criteria. So, you know, when I'm, when I'm prospecting a property, I put it through my formulas and, and it has to meet a return that is probably outsized. So that, that eliminates the majority of properties I would look at. Um, mm -hmm. So I, yeah, I'm taking a risk, but in a very disciplined way. Um, another quick example of that is starting Blogcaster, right? I had to put up a good amount of money to start this and there's a good chance that it would never go anywhere and I would never make any money off of it. But uh, when I started, I kind of set some, some money thresholds for myself, right? So if I get to this point and we're not making any money, I pull the plug. If I get to that point and we haven't made the amount of money that I want to make, I pull the plug. So mm -hmm. I'm taking a risk in that I'm putting up a good deal of my own money, right? But I'm using discipline in that I've made these predetermined um, benchmarks and thresholds to kind of try to remove the emotion from the decision and remove um, myself from what, what could be something that's very emotional, you know, if you're tied to a business. Right. So I, I'm kind of just thinking out loud here, right? Because I haven't exactly figured out where I want to be yet, but I think, I think the combination of risk taking with discipline and self-improvement uh, is kind of the direction I want to move in. Right. And, and I will say that one thing I've come to realize a little more in the last 12 months, and maybe this will, uh, maybe you'll relate, or maybe this will kind of help a little bit is I've become a lot more comfortable with knowing that it's okay not to kind of know what the end game might look like yet. Right. Like, and, and knowing that the solopreneur grind brand or the Joseph C Wells brand, they still haven't been fully fleshed out and that's okay. Right. It's, it's very easy to pe for people to look at super successful people and super successful businesses that have very clear marketing and clear messaging and say, well, you know, I don't have that. So there's no way I can be successful, but we forget about what it took for them to get to where they are, right? The years and years and effort and hours and, and this and that. So uh, I, I think the, the journey is definitely a big part of the fun and the fact that we have certain parts of our life we haven't figured out yet. And, and I don't know if you like Gary Vee at all, but he's a big preacher of patience um, I, I don't follow Gary Vee every day, but I do like a lot of his messaging, uh, which is he tells a lot of people that are young, uh, even into their 30s, you know, you got to be patient. There's still a lot of time. And uh, along the same lines of what you were saying, it's, it's more about being disciplined. And lastly, a, a quick note, just because you had a lot of interesting thoughts there, so I had to share some of my own, is the risk part. I mean, unless you take some semblance of risk, you're, you're probably not going to see that much high reward at all, right? Like if you do want to live uh, a, an amazing life, an extraordinary life, uh, you know, a, a life that some might consider amazing or unreachable or, you know, any adjective, you're probably going to have to take some risks, right, to get there, Joe, unless you disagree with that. And 
and the more disciplined you are with them, the better. It, it, it totally relates to your Upwork experience as well, right? You're taking a huge risk hiring some random guy from another country for engineering that you've never done yourself. So that's also a risk, but you did your homework and you were able to find someone that fit the bill. And as we've heard, it's, it's worked out well. So a bit of a spiel there on my end, but uh, you had a lot of things that really resonated with me. And uh, so I, I appreciate that. If you have any thoughts on, on what I said, happy to hear them. Or where I'd like to finish with Joe is I have two, two questions. One of them that I'll just, start just with quickly, Josh, yeah. I, I do want to kind of give you some feedback on that. So I, I totally agree. You need to take risks and the discipline part of that is minimizing the downside of those risks. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you have to know when you take a risk that sometimes you're going to flop, right? And it's going to suck. It's going to hurt. You're going to lose money. You might be embarrassed, but you're going to bounce back if you've been disciplined in minimizing the downside. Right. right. So it, it is all about a process and it's about being disciplined and doing a little bit every day and, and taking those risks. And some of them are going to be, you know, they're going to turn out great. Um, like starting the blog did for me turned out fantastic, I think. Um, but sometimes it, it's not going to go the way you want it to. And you have to be resilient and you have to understand that going into it. You can't expect everything to be sunshine and roses. Right. For sure. That's a, that's a great point. So Joe, I have two questions left and, and one of them, I think I'm, I'm actually, I've been excited to ask because of how much content you consume. Can you give your two or three favorite books, uh, maybe of even just the last year or two? Cause I know, you know, you've been through a lot, so that might be difficult for you to, to narrow down to two or three and the top two or three blogs that you follow as well. Sure. Yeah. So books, I actually just published an article on this. So I, I published an article uh, called Can You Recommend a Book? And it talks about the four books that I would recommend to everyone. And those books are Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari, um, Being Mortal by Atul Gawande, Our Towns by James and Deborah Fallows, and On Writing Well by William Zinser. So I think those share lessons that apply to everyone. Um, but a couple other ones just from the last year that I've read and really enjoyed was Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. So he was the founder mm -hmm. of Nike and it tells his story all the way from, you know, selling shoes at track meets out of the trunk of his car to what Nike is today. So I thought that was extremely inspirational and well-written and just a fun read. Mm -hmm. And then anything that Ryan Holiday writes is just fantastic. Uh, most recently he published Stillness is the Key. I read that a few weeks ago. And I thought that was fantastic as well. And I actually wrote an article about that as well that you could find on my website. Um, as far as blogs go, I'm a big fan of Morgan Housel. Um, so he writes about finance and behavioral psychology and history. And those kind of things all come together. Um, he's a venture capital investor. Mm -hmm. And he's actually on Blogcaster. He's one of our contributors. Um, I really like David Perel. He has some really interesting thoughts and his, his writing is <clears throat> top notch in my opinion. So those are probably two of the top people that I follow in terms of bloggers. Awesome. I'm going to have to check some of them out. Shoe night, uh, shoe dog. I can definitely vouch for as well. That's the best book I've read in probably the last few years. Um, and, and lastly, Joe, do you have any final words or two or three pieces of advice for people that, 
might be listening to this during their nine to five or, or not fulfilled with where they are right now, maybe in life, maybe in business, uh, just two or three pieces that uh, maybe you've relied on in the last year or two of your journey or that you can recommend from uh, anything you've learned recently. Yeah, I think the biggest thing I would say is, is find something that makes you happy that you can work towards, something that might be a little bit of a struggle. Um, that could be learning to golf. It could be learning to play the guitar. It could be starting a blog. It could be starting a business. It could be anything, right? And then once you figure out what that is, break it down into the smallest first step that you can take today and take that step and get started and then kind of continue to, to lay out a roadmap of what you need to do to get to your ultimate goal. Um, anything that I've done that's uh, remotely impressive, which, you know, I'm not a super impressive person, but I've done some things that I'm proud of, right? And, yeah. and those things have taken discipline and they don't happen overnight. And any time I've done, uh, I've accomplished anything, it's been the result of a process. So you, you break it out into what do I need to do today, tomorrow, the next day, next week, next month, and then you execute, right? And if you do something small every day that moves you in the right direction, before you know it, you're going to be to where you never thought you could be a year from now, right? And um, little progress every day yields results that you couldn't even imagine over even six months, right? But if you give something three or four or five years and you're, you're working towards it every day, you're going to be totally blown away. You would never imagine what you could accomplish. Right. That's a, that's a great message and, and a great note to end on. Joe, thanks again for coming on the show. Can, can you just remind everybody uh, where they can find you, where they can find their reading, and, and where they can find the new app? Sure, yeah. So my website is josephcwells.com. Um, you can find me there. You can send me an email if you want at uh, wellsjosephc at gmail.com and follow me on Twitter at josephcwells. Um, the app is Blogcaster, so you can search that in the App Store. The website is blogcaster.app. And if you follow me on Twitter and send me a DM, I will give you a discount code for that. Awesome. And we'll have links to all of those in the description below. Joe, thanks again for taking your time to, uh, to chat today. Really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot, Josh. This has been fun. Hey, everyone. Josh here checking in just one last time. Wanted to say thanks so much for listening to the podcast episode. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. And if you want to keep getting more of the Solopreneur Grind content, make sure to join the email list. What I do is send three emails a week with additional content such as what's going on in the background of my Solopreneur journey, insights I'm having on business, and updates when new podcast episodes like these come out as well. It's free. It always will be. The link to join is in the description of whatever podcast platform you're listening this to on. Really hope to have you on the list and continuing to share these awesome solopreneur journeys and insights with you as well. Have a great day and hope to see you soon.